Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So we continued this week and did chapters 8 through 14 of our unwelcomed book, The True Story of the Moffat Family Haunting. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. By Deborah Moffat. And so the next few chapters, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's very hard for me to wrap my head around what's happening to them. And it, I don't know, it kind of makes me wonder. But we know there is an entity in the, in the Moffat family home up, up until this point. And they've had crazy shit happen. If you didn't listen to last week's, listen. So we continue um, with Deborah talking. And um, so the next thing that she says is the entity started making sounds and uh, smells began to manifest randomly. So it was rotten food, excrement, and sulfur were the most memorable. And they would dissipate as quickly as they came. So it would just like be long enough for, to turn their stomachs yeah. and then, and and then disappear. Uh, they would often hear whispering as if someone was talking in another room. They would hear their names doorbell would ring and nobody would be there footsteps were being heard now and it it's she said a a week didn't go by that it didn't sound like someone was moving furniture upstairs so like crazy loud sounds saw noises sawing noises were heard um by the by investigators and bill and lee are are consistently on the verge of you know terror and panic they're just freaking out all the time which that would be me again yeah one creepy sound in particular bill was more upset about than any other sound um lee had an antique wheelbarrow that rattled when it moved and the entity used to move the wheelbarrow up and down the the walkway outside of their bedroom in the middle of the night they would he would do it outside of their sliding back door Hmm. so like all all window and but they never could catch it she would always try and you know either see it moving or anything and they never they never caught it but yeah that that sound in particular freaked bill out it was like fingernails on a chalkboard to him so uh one thing that terrified lee that was like her one of her last straws was they had bought jamie their son a a large balloon and that night you know they're all staying in the master bedroom all together Mm -hmm. and they they shut the door well lee was sitting up in bed reading bill senior and jamie were sleeping and bill and deborah were watching tv and all of a sudden the door flew open and the balloon floated right in making a beeline for lee freaked her the fuck out and the balloon did not have helium in it it was just a regular blown up balloon yeah so how was it floating exactly that's fucking terrifying so uh, like they were just watching this mouths open you know freaking out (laughs) and uh but for some reason 
Oh, I'm sorry. This freaked Deborah out more than anything. Mm. So yeah. for some reason, this um, that she said it evoked a feeling of primal dread in her. Mm. Which I mean, I get it, but everything else up until this point should have been invoking that. Yeah, a, a balloon floating. It, it just it doesn't seem that big of a deal after everything yeah. else that's went on yeah exactly uh i wonder if it was red <laughs> <laughs> okay so she she that freaked her out and they oh so uh lee got up and shut the door and locked it she uh she grabbed the balloon threw it out the door shut the door and locked it mm-hmm. and it she said it may not have been terribly effective but it did make her feel better they also heard their fair share of knocks and raps commonly associated with hauntings things pounding on their walls ceilings and floor day and night on occasion it they use them as like a crude form of communication i guess he thought he was funny the entity thought he was funny so the night before two native american shamans were to come to the house he was he serenaded them with rhythmic pounding like native american war drums <laughs> and i guess that drove lee and bill crazy and that that that's basically the first or the eighth chapter i guess i should say it's it's kind of just kind of in limbo i guess you know they're still dealing with things on a day-to-day basis but nothing remarkable has happened except for the balloon thing yeah so that was the first or the eighth chapter all right um so they're still searching for someone to help them Mm -hmm. they came across references to athelma moss who is a woman uh who founded ucla's parapsychology lab in the 1970s she's she's no longer affiliated with the college but one of the receptionists uh, gave out her information to deborah they called her and she didn't get involved with it personally but she she got them in touch with a mr carrie gainer uh she describes him as quite thin handsome and charming mm. He was very matter-of-fact and got straight to business. He says they spoke to each of them in the family room. While they were talking, the dogs began to fuss, um, letting them know it wanted to come inside. So she, Deborah let, him, let the dog in. Uh, Mr. Gaynor continued his conversation with Bill Sr. As the dog walked past, past him, Bill Sr. told Carrie a strange story about how he had seen the dog in two places at the same time. Okay, sorry. Bill Sr.'s behavior is fucking crazy. Yeah, he's all over the place. Yeah. He's, he can't... And we'll get not, into it later, like here in a minute, but... Yeah, he's... I think he's psychotic. I think so, too. There's I mean, so, something honestly, wrong, like yeah, mentally wrong. He's not right. Yeah. So, when uh, Bill Sr. told this guy that he's seen the dog in two places at the same time, she was, like, shocked. Because it was, it was not true. That's another thing. They keep saying how shocked they were about what he's saying, but they're not correcting him. They're not, yeah, like, pointing not it like, out. I know. They're not going back and saying, what are you talking exactly. about? Exactly. That's not true. They're that just, like, happen. Sil- they're smiling and nodding. Yeah. Like, no. You yeah. Call his ass out. 
because he does this several times in the you know in the next few chapters yeah so when bill senior told him that uh mr gainer's she said his face lit up and he Uh turned to her for verification and then she said she was now she was stuck she's like she didn't know if she should tell him that it was a lie or if she should back up her father-in-law um she made a snap decision and went ahead and shook her head yes which okay i kind of get it if you if if he says that and this is exactly what he wants if he says that and she's like what the fuck are you talking about then that's going to discredit everything exactly yeah what an asshole yeah which is basically what what she says here is that she was afraid that if she said it never happened then this guy would doubt everything else that they said as he was leaving carrie told them that he would call in a few days when he did he asked for permission to hold a seance in their house um i would be like uh new no. <laughs> yeah. but well i mean at this point i guess it doesn't really matter <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> sure try whatever you yeah. want so they agreed uh the next week carrie arrived at their door with a small group of people he introduced his group and explained that one of the ladies was a medium she says she was young and attractive unlike the mediums that she's seen in movies <laughs> Uh, she told Carrie that she, Deborah told Carrie that she wanted to attend the seance, but he flatly refused. Hmm. He didn't let her, and he didn't give her a reason either. Um, so she was kind of upset about that. Yeah, she felt that she had a right to be there, but she she ended up staying downstairs while you know they all went upstairs and did their seance when the seance was over he told them that everything should be fine from now on oh really yeah he told them a a story of what they learned during their seance supposedly a spirit was contacted and spoke through the medium uh he and he said that the spirit was the brother of my grant of her grandfather says that her grandfather had been responsible for giving his little brother a bath one day when tragedy struck and the boy drowned in the tub the spirit said that it was tormenting their family because it wanted revenge against deborah (laughs) and she she tried to explain to this carrie dude that that made absolutely no sense (laughs) and because because they knew the entity wanted lee dead exactly and that makes me wonder if they told him about when the entity was trying to imitate lee's dead sister Mm. so i mean yeah it's a fucking demon it's not gonna (laughs) tell you the truth and you know deborah's like she knows her family history yeah that's not that never happened um and all he said was it doesn't have to make sense it's just the way it is so you know he didn't know what he was doing obviously (laughs) so now they're in the middle of 1988 they are continuing to search for help they visited a psychic fair in los angeles they found a native american shaman and they arranged for a meeting and the meeting was in los angeles at the home of the tribe's elder shaman the whole family drove to Los Angeles, uh, but they waited in the car while Deborah explained what was going on to the shaman. She 
she guided Deborah into a small into the backyard where there was a small hut and they went into the hut the hut was filled with smoke and there was a very large older gentleman in there wearing a ceremonial headdress and he welcomed them in they talked to the old man about the entity uh, after about 15 or 20 minutes breadwind which was the first shaman right the, the woman sh- shaman yeah and her elders spoke to each other in a language that you know deborah couldn't understand mm-hmm. and Redwind told Deborah that she had permission to visit her house, their house, and um, she was going to bring another shaman with her. When they got up to leave, she was Deborah said she was about to thank this elder shaman when he spoke to her and said, "You are not who you think you are." Interesting. And she's like, um, "Okay," <laughs> and, but she didn't, you know she didn't really ask for an explanation she just was like okay and left (laughs) which i would have been like um what what does that mean (laughs) yeah that's that's creepy (laughs) uh so so after that um redwind came to their house with another shaman called fire panther i like these names yeah they wanted to go upstairs as soon as they got there to confront the demon and they asked Deborah to go with them. She said the house seemed like it almost vibrated with anticipation as they climbed the stairs. And there was a, a heaviness to the, the air or whatever. Well, didn't they say every time they, they climbed up the yeah. stairs in general that yeah. they weren't welcome or they didn't feel welcome? So they began the ritual in the sitting room and walked slowly from room room burning sage they determined that the source of the negative energy was in the attic which they already knew Mm -hmm. they opened the door and began fanning the sage smoke into the empty space as quickly as they blew it in the smoke was blown right back out she said it was if it hit a wall that's crazy yeah at this point they decided they were going to have to confront the demon in the attic they cautiously went into the room. The Fire Panther began chanting, and Redwind told him that told Deborah that they were forcing the entity to show itself. Uh, something started to change in the air, and Deborah said she couldn't put her finger on it, but there was a feeling of wrongness that began, you know, that she was starting to be able to feel. And then she saw movement, and then slowly, right before their eyes. They watched as the pink insulation that was in the attic slid off and formed into a rough shape of a huge head. She said it was at least five feet tall, but it was just the head. Uh, She said as it became more defined, they could see it had a very large chin, a large strong nose, high cheekbones, and where an ear should have been, there was a circular horn. The horn made a circle on the side of the head and then curved over the head and past the forehead. She said all she could do was just stare at it. Um, she said that you would think it would be horrible to look at, but it really wasn't. She said it was bizarre and, and frightening, but not ugly. And then after about 40 seconds, it just fell apart. Uh, they watched it disintegrate in silence, uh, and then they decided to leave. They, <laughs> they walked back into the sitting room. They were all shocked. Uh, Redwind explained that it was a lot stronger than they thought it would be. 
As they stood there, Bill's dog, Jeff, came up the stairs. He walked straight over to Fire Panther and sat down staring at him. Okay, so Red Wing was just talking to Deborah about more about the entity. Mm-hmm. And while she was doing that, Fire Panther started speaking to the dog. Right. Uh, Deborah said she wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. They went back downstairs, and Red Wing and Fire Panther were leaving. Red Wing called Deborah over and, and whispered to her that they, they were sorry that they couldn't get rid of the entity. But that Fire Panther had put it into the dog. Um, that's rude. That is so rude. But maybe that's what the dog was saying. He was like, Well, yeah, that's what she said. She said that um, when it was in the dog, it couldn't hurt them. And um, it would give them a little bit of time to, to find out a way to get rid of it permanently. And Deborah was like, what did she mean it's in the dog? Yeah, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Poor dog. She said that the the idea that her dog was now possessed by a demon, demon she, didn't want, she didn't want the dog to be hurt, is basically what she was thinking. But uh, Redwind said that the dog had given its permission, so mm. it didn't really matter what Deborah thought. Uh, when she told everyone everyone what had happened bill became upset that the dog was involved and then she said although it sounds impossible everything stopped no writing no destruction no entity and she's like is it really trapped in the dog you know (laughs) that just seems so strange and then the dog became sick very ill he said the vet said he was suffering from a rare disease called something that i'm not going to try <laughs> yeah, it's a really long word <laughs> yes it's it's not gonna happen uh but basically the dog is drowning in its own body fluid so mm-hmm. that's really bad poor baby so um they had expensive trips to the vet pills special diet but within not too long that he he passed away and then almost immediately they began seeing signs of the entity again they're not sure if it was just a coincidence or if it was actually trapped in the dog for a while but that's what she said happened that's fucking crazy i know i would have been pissed yeah that's their dog but the dog wanted to help that's what they say (laughs) well he walked right up to the fire panther Okay, so I just kind of want to pause for a second and discuss the insulation head. Because this is kind of what I was talking about my head around. What do you mean, wrap your head around or believe? That's what I'm... Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, this is supposed to be a true story. But, I mean... That's fucking nuts. That's beyond. I know. I know. You're you're trying to picture this, and it's not. I mean, I don't know. It. I just. I there's a there's a part in I think a couple more chapters. That's where I mean this was kind of you know bad, or, yeah, or hard to believe, but then this this thing that happens, I'm like, what? You know? Yeah. It's starting to get kind of like, come on, I don't, yeah. I don't know about this. Yeah, but I mean, obviously we don't know, and we can only take their word for it. Yeah, but I mean, the stuff up till now has been crazy, fucking not. It but, gets crazier though. But it's like, 
okay i mean that's normal things that you hear you know if there really are demons and even the writing you know that's not so out of the box yeah but i an insulation head yeah that is insane and i mean i just mm, yeah and you know like you said there's more that's going to be coming but it's 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 beyond nuts okay so next chapter oh you want to see a picture of doug or jeff oh he's just a baby so sad i know okay so still 1988 they're still looking for uh someone to help get rid of this entity so they visit a psychic fair at a hotel walk around looking for someone who could both understand and help what was happening in their home and bill overheard an older lady talking about a psychic she knew who had a a really good reputation so after a short explanation of the circumstances the lady gave them a number of a man named brian hurst and to this day he's still a loyal and trusted friend of theirs so brian is an accomplished psychic who lives in los angeles he is an intelligent eloquent gentleman who listened intently to their story and made arrangements to visit within the week he was tall and very slender well dressed and he emanated a sense of peace and calm which i love it when people do that that's Mm -hmm. i love that so he walked around the house to see if he could pick up anything he was especially interested in bill and lee's former bedroom which makes sense yeah he found it intriguing that the mattress had been ripped to shreds so he he's a trance medium so he will let things enter him but in their house he would not even attempt that i don't blame him yeah, he said he could sense a powerful and evil entity, and he knew it was far too dangerous. So after a few minutes of conversation, he left, and they, he said that he would return soon. Um, even though Brian himself was not able to rid rid them of the demon, he found others to help. So he contacted a woman who cleansed houses of negative energy, and she agreed to help. She unfortunately never never came though she said well meeting her her group to accompany her to the house she became convinced it would be too dangerous so she didn't even show up to the house before she decided that she just couldn't do it so she and her group started discussing their strategy at a restaurant and they noticed that all the knives on the table suddenly appeared in her drinking glass Hmm. she um and she took that as a warning like yeah don't even try and they understood that you know obviously they they understood but brian didn't give up he researched or he uh contacted a paranormal researcher from the east coast named gary and gary came to stay with brian brian explained our predicament or the their predicament to gary and asked him to investigate so and he jumped at the opportunity he immediately contacted them and arranged to meet. He offered to stay at their house and document the happenings. And by January of 1989, the entity had taken over not only the house, but their lives as well. 
and they graciously accepted Gary's offer, which I think it's hilarious that Gary moved in with them. Oh, I know. He stays for so long. I know. <laughs> like, they talk about Gary for the next few chapters, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> what are you even doing? First like, of he, all, why would you want to stay there? I don't get that. Well, he's obviously into what's happening. But, I mean, just, just the fact that he, like, he... He doesn't pay them anything. He he doesn't. He probably doesn't even pick up after himself. Who knows? But he just lives with them and mooches off of them. It's just hilarious. So when Brian returned, he brought a friend, Ramish, a young blonde woman named Betty, and Gary. Gary was tall, about six three, with nice clothes, thick, wavy, dark brown hair. He had a beautiful voice and seemed to be quite intelligent. They all sat down and discussed the para, uh, the paranormal happenings. After telling their story, uh, it began to grow late. So Brian, Ramish, and Betty decided to leave. And Gary decided to forego sleep and he began investigation immediately. So Gary start, started off on the wrong foot with the entity from the moment he entered their TV room. <laughs> <laughs> glancing around he was arrogant um clearly had never come in contact with such an evil presence and he announced in a booming voice show me what you can do oh. within seconds a book came flying over the rail from the upstairs and hit gary squarely on the side of the head <laughs> from that moment until gary left the house the entity tormented him on the same level as <laughs> lee so he was <laughs> I mean, he asked for it. I, yeah. Like, literally. Like, okay, here you go. <laughs> um, and next, she says, never ask a demon to show you what it can do. It will. <laughs> okay, so Gary's personal items beca- became fair game for the entity. Um, what he didn't destroy, he took and never brought back. One of Gary's prized possessions was an, was an article of clothing that his mother had given him. It was a, a jacket, and it had long sleeves, a belt, and it says something on the shoulders. It's like apulets Apulets. Or yeah, that's like... To button down the something. It kind of reminds me of like a military, like a, a military Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, he had hung the jacket in the closet, and when he went to put it on w- one day, he noticed that the the entity had cut off the epaulets. 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 I think that's what it looks like. Um, <laughs> it wasn't funny, but they kind of thought it was funny, <laughs> and so oh, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Gary, though he was devastated. He almost cried. <laughs> He was thankful that the most of the jacket wasn't touched, um, but that didn't last long. It, the entity systematically dismantled his beloved jacket after that. First the epaulets came, then the right sleeve, then the left. <laughs> Gary desperately wanted to save the jacket, um, commenting that maybe he could turn it into a vest. <laughs> yeah, the entity that shredded it up. after that. <laughs> I know, poor guy. That's terrible. Oh, goodness. Um, uh, but, you know, like, as much as you want to feel bad for him, he asked the entity well, yeah, to show it did. what he could do. <laughs> Careful what you ask for. Yeah. So, and, like, I guess the entity 
really went after his clothes. She said one day Gary was walking down the hall towards her and entered the bathroom wearing a lovely silk bathrobe as she, as he as he walked past her and entered in the bathroom she kind of glanced back and the like his whole ass was cut out of the, <laughs> the bathroom okay how could you not tell you know what the ass was cut out maybe he did and he was like fuck this i don't give a shit you can see my ass <laughs> Well, hopefully it was good enough to look at. Yeah, hopefully. So, when he went to bed at night under his pillow or sheets, they would find anything from knives to fresh dirt. Daytime wasn't any better. Gary began to comprehend what what they were going through. They were all in the kitchen and heard a strange sound. Listening intently, they determined that it sounded like scissors cutting. They glanced over at Gary at the same time that his hand reached up to his hair and a clump of hair fell to the floor. So the entity had given Gary a haircut with an unseen pair of scissors. That is crazy. That is fucking crazy. And they could hear it. Yeah. Oh my God. Insane. So Gary was trying to contact people that could in his paranormal circles that could try and get rid of this entity and they put him into or put them in touch with a guy named guy playfair he was a renowned investigator from england and has known he was known for his involvement in the enfield poltergeist case mm. so he was very interested in the predicament and but he was engaged in another case and didn't have time in upland there was a religious store it had been there for over 35 years, and uh, Deborah and Bill used to buy Lee statues there. Um, even you know before the entity came into their lives, they would buy religious medals and um, prayer cards there. So they asked the owner, Mrs. Christie. She was an older lady with blonde hair, slender build, and a strong personality. She did have a vast knowledge of Catholicism, but her and her son was a priest. So at first they were reluctant to discuss their situation with her because you never know how anyone's going to react. So since Mrs. Christie had such strong religious convictions, she she was confident that um, she would understand what was happening. So she began to talk to her, recounting the you know what was happening and her smile quickly turned to a look of awe so she was she was in, you know into it so she she suggested that her and her husband come to the home to talk to Lee and Bill senior as well and they made arrangements it was early evening when they showed up and her husband's name was Tommy Dominic and when Lee saw Tommy, she smiled and went over and hugged him. I guess they had known each other since they were young. They hadn't seen each other in years, so what a coincidence. That's mm-hmm. crazy. And actually, there was a, a painting that Tommy had, had painted in their dining room. <laughs> so they all sat at the kitchen table, and the conversation was focused on Lee and their childhood memory, her and Tommy's childhood memories. And then the topic changed to the entity. So Gary had had come to stay with them while the Christies were, were there. And he was dominating the conversation. So 
they were listening to Gary's tales of his exploits, and uh, finally Lee had the opportunity to speak and started to tell Tommy about the how the entity was tormenting her, and he was very concerned. After about a half an hour of stories, um, they wanted to tour the house, so Gary decided that he would be the tour guide, and they weren't too happy about that. <laughs> But Gary took them from room to room, telling them the strange occurrences. They went back into the kitchen and were sitting down. Gary excused himself for a minute. When he returned, Mr. Christie asked to use the bathroom. So Gary offered to show him the way. A few moments later, we heard Gary's voice booming in the hallway that he didn't do it. He never touched a thing. So they all rushed to see what the commotion was about, and all of Gary's crap like his personal hygiene stuff was like everywhere mm. toothpaste was squeezed onto the the rug there was a can of shaving cream used to draw the entity sign which was the triangle with the tail and he, gary was just standing there shaking his head side to side you know yelling that he was innocent and obviously it was the entity trying to frame him <laughs> made him made him look like an idiot <laughs> so Obviously, he's trying to manipulate, the entity is trying to manipulate the situation and create distrust. And she really believes that that did damage Mr. and Mrs. Christie's trust in, in, their, in them and what, what was going on. So that's a, that's a bummer. But I think because of the friendship with Lee, they, um, you know, they went ahead and, and tried to help Mrs. Christie had her uh, contacted her son to see if he would intervene with the bishop on their behalf and she agreed and she said even though they they claimed they made several phone calls nothing ever materialized so that is where chapter 10 ends so the next chapter while deborah was researching paranormal investigators in the library she came across the names of ed and lorraine warren Knew they had to be in here somewhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, she said they were located on the East Coast, but she was able to get their phone number, and she hurried home to tell her family about the amazing couple that fought demons. They discussed about calling them and asking them to come out to California. Uh, the father-in-law wasn't too happy with the prospect of paying for the Warrens to fly out. Um, he said, after all, the, the entity's not after him. It, it was after Lee. So, oh, of course. Yeah, so he didn't really give a shit. Uh, what a dick. That night, something happened to force them into making a decision. She said the evening was pretty quiet. Uh, a few comments from the demon on the mirror and a few hours of watching TV. As she sat next to Lee, she said she thought she heard water running. Fucking crazy. Sorry. She asked... She got up and walked into the kitchen. She noticed that the floor was covered in water. She was stunned to see that the water was cascading down the stairs. She said it was a virtual... She said it was a waterfall rushing down the stairs. Crazy. And she said by that time, Bill and Bill Sr. had joined her. Bill Sr. climbed the stairs by holding onto the banister. He was yelling that a pipe must have burst upstairs. Which, that's what everyone would think. Yeah. Uh, but Deborah looked at the stairs and she noticed that it was actually the waterfall or where the water was coming out actually started on the third stair down. And it was from the space in between the stairs. And she what? was and she was shocked to see that the water it looked like the water was gushing out of the stair itself. What the 
the fuck? And the father-in-law couldn't find any broken pipes or any other explanation, like maybe overflowing sink or bathtub. They finally realized that the only explanation was the entity. So Deborah ran into the bathroom and went to the mirror and screamed for it to stop the water. And then it was switched off as suddenly as it was turned on. She said the water stopped on a dime. She said the house was still flooded, but at least the water wasn't coming down the stairs anymore. It's fucking crazy. And they had to spend the next five hours, you know, cleaning it up. She was so, you know, distraught about it <laughs> yeah. that she ended up calling the number that she had for the Warrens before she realized that it was really late there. <laughs> yeah. So it was like after 1.30, I think, in the morning. Mm-hmm. And... Well, a woman answered the phone, and she introduced herself as Lorraine Warren, and she explained to me that she knew that we needed help, but it was very early. (laughs) (laughs) She told her to call her back the next day, so that's what she did. So the next day, she called her, and they, they discussed what was going on, and Lorraine explained to Deborah that her and her husband, Ed, had planned on coming out to California in the next two weeks to attend a conference so they agreed that they would come by the house she was really excited about that but of course bill senior started to complain about the costs they deborah and bill ended up going to a bookstore and getting every copy of every any book that the warrens wrote she said she devoured the book in one sitting it was uh, basically a chronicle of the warrens work and it really gave her hope that maybe they could finally find an answer to what was going on so while they waited for the warrens the entity kept tormenting lee and gary the (laughs) the entity's new favorite topic for discussion was gary's sex life (laughs) poor gary (laughs) she said it oh it was almost it was becoming embarrassing to read the mirror oh shit they oh my god i want to know so bad many (laughs) things about gary that they really probably did not want to know uh, she said the main theme was the diminu- diminutive size of Gary's penis, <laughs> which the entity found very amusing. <laughs> Gary didn't seem to mind. Deborah thought it was strange that the entity didn't make any reference to the impending arrival of the Warrens. She said that before that time, he'd always written like insults or, you know something about whoever was going to come to their house but nothing was ever written about the warrens right like the even the the sound of the native american drums yeah and that was before or after they right i wonder if they're blockers too i wonder if he could even sense them that's what it sounds like sounds like he, he couldn't so the warrens arrived in february with uh their assistant kevin Kevin's job was to video record anything of importance. Ed was a stocky, jovial man with a head of mostly gray hair. He was friendly and very easy to talk to. Lorraine was dressed very conservatively, almost to the point of being antiquated. She always dressed like that. Yeah. 
She said that she looked very much like a librarian from the 1920s. She totally did. Yes, she did. <laughs> she was thin and tall and had gray-brown hair tucked neatly into a bun. She was a bit standoffish, but she was still pleasant. Uh, neither one of them fit into Deborah's expectations of what a demonologist would look like. The presence in the house reacted immediately to their arrival. When the Warrens first walked into the house, a large toy box was sitting in the corner and it slid in front of Lorraine to block her way, preventing her from entering any further. They, it was very strange for them to see the object move right in front of their eyes because the only time they've ever witnessed anything happen right in front of them, they, they'd only witnessed two other times. Yeah, because every single time they either had to leave the room or even turn around. Yeah, and the first time was when a raw potato was thrown at Lee's head. (laughs) And the second was when one of the beds began to rise of its own, you know, its own power. Um, For the most part, the objects were moved when they blinked or looked away. They all sat down at the kitchen table to introduce themselves. They, They exchanged pleasantries, got to know each other a little bit. Uh, within minutes, Lorraine excused herself and explained that she was going to walk through the house to see what she felt. And while she was doing that, Ed was asking questions about their experiences. After about 20 minutes, Lorraine returned with a very concerned look on her face. She told us that the presence in their house was one of the oldest and most intelligent demons she had ever encountered. She referred to it as ancient, and she made it very clear that it was purely evil. They were sitting when they were sitting there and listening. Lee was, she became really quiet, and the blood drained out of her face. I guess before that she'd been all smiles and happy, and then when she heard that, and it just kind of, you know, lost a little bit of hope there. Yeah, yeah. The Warrens and Kevin left to go to their motel, and <laughs> the they had been. Um, responsible for arranging their accommodations and when they took the warrens to the motel they were very disappointed it was located in a bad neighborhood between a gas station and a kmart (laughs) and the look on lorraine's face reminded her of lee's she said she was embarrassed to take them there bill senior had insisted on making the arrangements and he said that that's all he could afford Which she said that that wasn't the case, which again brings into the question of where the fuck do they get their money? Yeah. That was just his excuse. Oh, I know that. But, well, she said that he, that's all he could afford, but she's like, I knew that wasn't the case. So if they could afford, like where, you know. It has to be family money or something. It has to be. Or like maybe a court settlement or you know like some some money sent from somewhere yeah the next day the warrens began interviewing them separately kevin set up the equipment in the dining room and he taped it bill's first bill senior went in then lee and then bill and then deborah ed and lorraine sat across from deborah and kevin stood in the corner manning the recording equipment she said it was very formal like being cross-examined in court They first wanted to know about her religious beliefs, and she explained that she was not very religious, that she believed in God, but not organized religion. They made it very clear that if they were able to get rid of the demon, they were all going to have to start going to church regularly. 
and you know Deborah's way of thinking is it was a very small price to pay absolutely for, for getting rid of yeah the entity what a couple hours a week yeah yeah really <laughs> um the warrens were really interested in the fact that deborah was not afraid of the entity mm-hmm. deborah tried to explain that she didn't she didn't really know why but she knew that the demon couldn't hurt her which perplexed the warrens that's crazy that makes yeah. me wonder what the fuck's going yeah, on yeah i know really maybe we'll find out well <laughs> it says to this day she oh. she doesn't know why it couldn't hurt her she just knew Hmm. Interesting. Uh, between interviews and demon hunting, Ed sat at their table and spoke to them um, of some of his, his other cases. Um, Deborah said she could have listened to him for hours. She said while Lorraine was reserved and a little standoffish, Ed was the opposite. Uh, and she thought maybe Lorraine wasn't as friendly because she was preoccupied. I guess their, her daughter was due to have a baby and she was thinking about that. Uh, Ed explained that the next course of action would be to perform the rite of provocation, which would force the entity to show itself. So what, the insulation head again? <laughs> I don't think that happened again, but that would that would help them identify exactly what they were dealing with so that they could formulate a plan to get rid of it. Uh, during this time, Gary was sitting or he, Gary was still living with them. Uh, Deborah and Bill had grown fond of Gary, but Bill Sr. wanted him gone. And which I honestly, I, like, what the fuck is that dude doing? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'd, why I'd is like, he living you need with to leave or you need to pay rent or Seriously, something? Seriously, like, I. I don't get Gary at all. Uh, and Lee wanted Gary to stay, too, because he was taking some of the heat off sure. of her. You know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, Bill Sr. decided that he was going to use the Warrens to get rid of Gary. So, the afternoon of the right of the provocation, Bill Sr. took the Warrens down to the property on Archibald Avenue, where everything began. Lorraine wanted to inspect the property and see what impressions she could get. Um, at this time, all the houses had been torn down by the new owners. And she pointed out that the the land that those houses were on was a prime location, but it stood empty. And it still stands empty, yeah. which is so freaking weird. And all around them, on all the other corners, there's... Uh, there's a school there's fast food restaurants office buildings but nothing why has been built there why would someone buy that land tear down all the houses and just leave it that's mm-hmm. so strange yeah so when they got to the property ed and lorraine walked around the lots bill senior then started his plan to get rid of gary he told the Warrens that Gary was taking advantage of them, which, why does he think they would give a shit? I don't know. And why is he telling everybody all these stories? It's well, like, dude, it really sounds to me like he he can put on this act because remember in the first seven chapters he told these people that he was being abused and yeah. they totally believed him. Yeah. So it's either the fact that old people can get away with a hell of a lot 
or he's just a really good manipulator which he's psycho so yeah probably that's the case yeah deborah said she remembers listening to this and she debated whether to speak up in gary's defense because she didn't know she could because he was really he was living off of them um <laughs> like what the fuck? but on the other hand they bill lee and her liked him staying with them yeah so because you know she said because he takes the pressure off of lee right and it was another person that was validating what was going on too yeah yeah that wasn't associated with their family yeah yeah so bill senior asked the warrens for their assistance in getting rid of gary he but he wanted it to be gary's idea to leave so lee wouldn't be upset with him for kicking him out uh the warrens were very sympathetic they agreed that gary shouldn't be sponging off of them and ed said that they would help so that night they gathered in the living room to have ed perform the rite of provocation they said the house felt like it was in a vacuum and then the ringing of the doorbell broke the silence and they all jumped (laughs) Um, said they had received no communication from the entity all day which was really unusual which again the warrens like what is it about them that the entity couldn't detect or something you know what i'm saying yeah i don't know and then why did the doorbell ring did the entity ring the doorbell no it was the warrens arriving oh so they weren't there yet okay okay so lorraine started talking to gary she said that a spirit named father pio had just come to her and warned her that gary was in danger gary went white and asked what kind of danger he was in she told him his life was in danger and that the entity hated him it would soon attack him by causing some kind of fire around him if he didn't leave he would be burned alive gary sat there shaking and then ed began the rite of provocation everyone sat very still as the rite progressed they began to notice something was off with bill senior subtle changes started to occur his left arm slowly curled up toward his chest his back began to curve forward and his head rested on his chest he stood up and started walking toward ed dragging his right leg as he went no one said a word we all just stared wondering what was happening it became obvious that the person before them was no longer their father her father-in-law um when he spoke you could still recognize bill senior's voice but it was somehow different slowly bill senior advanced toward ed he raised his hand and between his fingers he held a small piece of wood which he thrust in front of my father-in-law's face you can't hurt me this piece of wood is a holy relic and it protects me he shouted he said i will bite off your hand chew it and that piece of wood up and spit it in your face okay that didn't sound right for a minute (laughs) Uh, nothing more was said bill senior spun around and faced gary and he just stared at him gary got really scared and jumped into bill's lap (laughs) and put his arms around his neck oh my god Uh, deborah says she remembers two things sticking out in her mind with clarity from the events of that night first was watching in disbelief as her father-in-law became possessed by the entity the other was the absurdity of gary a grown man and paranormal researcher (laughs) jumping into my husband's lap 
Uh, poor Bill was more frightened than Gary. Bill Sr. remained silent. He walked back to the couch, sat down, and began acting like nothing had happened. By that time, it was getting late, and Ed, Lorraine, and Kevin told us that they would discuss what had happened tomorrow when everyone wasn't so tired. Okay, so, sorry. First of all, the the description of Bill Sr. makes me think of the bug guy from Men in Black. Yes. And second, I find it extremely disturbing that Lorraine used the entity to please Bill Sr. Yeah. I find that very... Um, unprofessional unprofessional not trustworthy it Mm -hmm. makes me it makes me wonder about everything that they did i don't believe that they're really that they really do anything i don't believe so either however the fact that the entity if i mean if any of this is true but the fact that the entity didn't see them coming Mm -hmm. i think that they and you know not to say that it has any credibility, but the the fact that Lorraine kind of picked up on the same things that other paranormal people have said, yeah. that it was ancient and extremely evil and strong and, mm-hmm. you know, so that kind of made me think that maybe she's got some sort of a sixth sense, if you will, but, but you know, a lot of people have discredited the, the Warrens yeah. and said that they really didn't do anything Mm -hmm. so she might have a sixth sense but that doesn't mean that she knows how to get rid of anything absolutely i mean that that i mean that sucks for her but yeah that doesn't mean you know what you're gonna you do with your ability or whatever but yeah the fact that she told gary something that was complete just just to please Mm -hmm. that really irritated me i thought it was it was just mean it was like scaring that dude yeah. that bad f- why yeah and and like why like you said why did they care so much what why did they give a fuck in order to make that gigantic move you yeah. know yeah so yeah i found that disturbing yeah it was so after they showed the warrens out bill gary bill senior and deborah um returned to the kitchen they were you know talking about what happened to to lee and bill senior uh he had no recollection of what happened he didn't seem upset but lee was afraid to have him in her room yeah um later on after everyone went to sleep deborah and bill just lay there and talked about you know everything that happened suddenly bill senior got out of the bed he shared with lee and started for the bathroom normally this wouldn't be you know a big deal but something was off the same mannerisms that he displayed earlier in the evening began to manifest the same curled arm hunched back and dropped chin dragging his right leg he shuffled out of the bedroom and into the bathroom he never said a few uh, any words and a few minutes later he returned to bed neither bill nor deborah slept that night Uh, The next day, Bill Sr. seemed to be back to his old self. The Warrens arrived at their house. Lauren made her way, or Lauren, Lorraine, made her way over to Gary to again warn him about the danger of staying in their house. No. So to Deborah's surprise and to the dismay of Ed and Lorraine, her father-in-law tried to calm Gary down 
and told him not to worry and that nothing was going to happen to him. And he told him that he was safe staying and that they wanted him to stay with them as long as necessary. What the fuck, dude? And she said the look on the Warren's face was of complete confusion and disbelief. Yeah. So you shouldn't have Mm -hmm. done anything because he's a piece of shit. (laughs) And she said that both the Warrens and herself were starting to doubt Bill Sr.'s sanity, which um, I think they should have thought that a long time ago. Uh, Right. So do you think that he was possessed by this thing? Or do you think it was all an act? I don't know. I'm not too sure about this dude. Yeah. I mean, you you obviously can't trust anything he does or says. No. No. Um, so Ed explained that there was nothing that they could personally do to make the entity leave. Lorraine believed that the demon was attached to Lee. The Warrens didn't have any church connections on the West Coast, so they contacted a friend from L.A., Chuck Moses, who was the head of a paranormal organization, and he put them in touch with the High Episcopal? Episcopal. Episcopal church um that evening they all went to saint mary's of the angels in los angeles and explained their situation to the priest who was father wilcox while they were there the priest asked if they were all baptized uh their son jamie had not been baptized yet and before the priest would proceed he said it was imperative for him to be baptized lorraine warren and gary became their son's godparents that night gary (laughs) lorraine why they just met her i think she's the only other woman right oh is that why they did that i think so well you have to be there and baptized yourself so Uh, might have be might have been the only so they all came to the same conclusion that they the only hope they had was for an exorcism The priest agreed to perform the exorcism and made arrangements to come to their house on the following Sunday. And when they left the church, they were all happy. Could you imagine the hope that uh, you finally found a priest that could possibly do something? Mm -hmm. Oh, good Lord. So the entity maintained its uncharacteristic silence. He had previously commented on all the comings and goings in our home, but his presence was still with them. He would make any religious objects the Warrens would give to us and either destroy them or throw them into the swimming pool. The blessed religious medallions that the Warrens gave us to put in all the corners of the house disappeared, never to be seen again. I wonder where that stuff, like all of Gary's clothes and all those medals, I wonder where they are. Pieces of jacket. The Warrens had not forgotten Bill Sr.'s odd behavior. When Bill and Deborah were alone with them, they confided that they thought Bill Sr. needed psychiatric help, along with spiritual assistance. She agreed with them, but Bill was very loyal. He got upset with the Warrens and told them off. Lorraine went to each of them and blessed all of them with holy water. She even blessed the dog. She walked right by Bill and refused to bless him. another extremely unprofessional yeah that's like that is the biggest piece of bullshit in this entire story so far you don't fucking do that yeah i don't care if she she was mad no like oh my god i i 
I hated her when I read that. Yeah. I was like, fuck you. This, I mean, regardless. He got upset about what they said about his dad. Exactly. I mean, come on. And, and then you don't you're gonna... bless him? Yeah. Fuck you. So Bill was shocked, offended, and deeply hurt. Absolutely. Yeah. That is bullshit. It's, yeah. I, yeah, I don't like her. I don't either. Like, that's two things that, in this chapter alone, yeah. that she has done that I'm like, are you fucking serious? Mm-hmm. So, the next day, the priest was scheduled to perform the exorcism. Bill Sr. began telling Lee that if she allowed an Episcopalian priest to perform a religious rite at their house, the Catholic Church would excommunicate her. So, you know, so we know that she's very, very religious. Right. And just him putting that in her head. So, and she, she decided that they weren't going to do the exorcism. I don't know if this happened like right before the the priest was supposed to come or what, but when he did come, uh, he knocked on the door and they, the, her in-laws refused to open it. And that, I mean, okay, so... I know Bill Sr. is psycho, but if he is actually possessed by this demon or, you know, is even periodically possessed by this demon, do you think maybe it's the demon that's That's, possibly... That crossed my mind. Yeah, because he is doing nothing but sabotaging any chance that they have to get rid of this thing. And, you know, to me, Lee doesn't sound like a very strong person no and just and he knew just by saying that to her right crazy oh my gosh and if she was someone that was stronger and thought for herself she would she would be thinking okay there's something off about him yeah i mean this could have been done if they would have done the exorcism right or there's at least a possibility yeah so the priest kept knocking and rang the doorbell and no one ever answered deborah was embarrassed and angry so the priest left uh the the warrens attended their meeting and went home the next day they called and she had to explain what happened Mm -hmm. Uh, she said ed was very nice and apologized for not being able to do anything to help and that was the last they ever heard of the war from the warrens crazy mm-hmm. so at this point they it seems like they're never going to find a way to get rid of this entity and since the since the warrens left all the writings resumed on the mirror along with the unusual phenomena and you know they're kind of acknowledging the fact that not only that they have the entity to deal with but they have bill senior now trying to sabotage any any chance that they have uh, they still didn't give up, though. Only a few days later, they went to a metaphysical bookstore in Hollywood. And after hearing their story, the young cashier recommended a light worker. I don't know what that means. But um, his name was Reverend David David Zabrinsky. Zabrinsky? And they got his address and... You know, they're, they don't have any confidence in themselves anymore, obviously. Everything that they have tried has not, you know, nothing's come of it. So they visited him the next day. Reverend David was a small, or had a small, unimpressive office in a strip mall. And posters cluttered the walls. Uh, there were books everywhere. It smelled of incense. 
Reverend David sat at a big desk in the middle of the room and lifted his head when they came in. And once they repeated their story, he they could see he was curious about what was going on. So he claimed he was something of a uh, called a walk-in. And he explained that a walk-in is a person who takes over another person's body when the soul leaves it. So he claimed that the person who originally had the body that he was in left during surgery and didn't come back. So he entered and inhabited it. So what? Is he like some kind of... Like a spirit. Yeah. Inhabiting... Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Like, what the fuck? What is that? And he calls himself a reverend, too. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah she, uh, Deborah said she rolled her eyes and had, you know, trouble not giggling. She was like, you know, this guy's obviously a nut. How is he going to mm-hmm. help us? And then, you know, she she kind of had this, this flash of, you know, we're living in a house where there's soap written on the mirrors and things are disappearing and reappearing in other places and like how how strange is his story you know so she's like okay well whatever and she said what happened next restored her faith in reverend david he went into the back of the shop and came out with an old book it was large and like disintegrating from age he gently flipped the pages and stopped and smiled. He turned the book around and showed us a picture of the of a demon's what is it, sigil? I think so. His yeah. sign, which was the triangle with the tail. Mm-hmm. So I mean obviously he knows yeah. more than like anybody else. So under the drawing was written in old script it was the words demon of destruction and he told them that he needed to come to their house as soon as possible so they made arrangements for the next day reverend david visited the home and it was it was uneventful he looked at pictures walked through the house and left he said he would call within a few days and he did he told them that he didn't have the power to make the entity leave and he was warning them how dangerous it was and said that he would keep in touch. The entity seemed happy to see David. And he wrote that he knew David from one of the reverend's previous lives, but that was all the detail that he gave them. Hmm. So maybe what he's that's, saying is weird. That's interesting. Which, if that's true in the case, like, who the fuck are we living around? Yeah, <laughs> like, what the hell? Really? So, Gary returned to stay at Brian's house because I guess he trusted Lorraine for God knows what reason. Mm. And with two-thirds of his clothes destroyed and half of his hair gone, they didn't blame him. Once Gary left, the entity focused completely on Lee again, and the attacks began, began to intensify. One evening, Lee went into the pantry and... The kitchen opens into the laundry room, which opens into a large walk-in pantry. Lee entered the pantry, and the door shut and locked behind her. She started screaming when the light went out. Um, Deborah heard her screams and ran to the door and easily opened. Lee was laying on the floor, rubbing her neck and crying. She said that something locked her in, turned out the light, and then grabbed her throat and started to strangle her. She said it, it was unbelievable 
to hear her, but she started seeing bruises forming on Lee's neck. So that's fucking nuts. And, you know, that was basically the the straw that broke the camel's back. She wasn't going to sit around and have her mother-in-law killed, you mm-hmm. know. So so she she always took the role of the protector because she, again, knew this thing couldn't hurt her somehow. And Bill and Lee were terrified. And she said as far as she was concerned, Bill Sr. could take care of himself. So mm-hmm. everyone else she kind of protected. So she went into the bathroom and confronted the entity and uh, told him that she would treat him with respect and that he would treat her with respect. He would not touch her child or her husband or Lee. She left the bathroom and waited a few seconds and went back in. The mirror said, I will not touch the child. I will not touch your husband, but Lee belongs to me. She didn't understand what that meant. So, for the next hour or so, the entity wrote out a story of past lives and satanic worship. Crazy. So, uh, basically, he wrote that in a monastery in 1600s in France, it claimed that he, he and his brothers walked sacred halls together, and from the phrasing of the writings, she didn't believe that the entity was human. So he made it seem as though it inhabited, his presence inhabited the monastery. It continued to say that there were a group of monks who practiced black magic. Not only were the brothers aware of the presence, but they promised it a blood sacrifice. The sacrifice was to be a particular nun who was a previous incarnation of Lee. So somehow before the ritual could be performed the abbot found out about it and caught one of the monks um that monk was for was offered forgiveness if he told who the other monks were that were involved he did and the other monks were severely punished the entity believed that since lee or that nun had been promised to him even though the blood ritual never happened lee still belonged to him and he had come to collect her um she said it was she was skeptical because of it's obviously a fantastic tale and it was too far out of the of normalcy so she was she was skeptical she told the entity entity that she would not allow that to happen and that was when she started calling it mr entity so she would show it respect and told him uh told it that she expected nothing less. She refused to call it Prince and continued to refer to it. Continuing to refer to it as it seemed rude. So she started calling it Mr. Entity. From that time on, their relationship changed. She said they communicated. It wasn't just Mr. Entity commenting on things he overheard or making demands. He started to talk to her about events past and future. She asked him questions and he would answer her. The entity even started bringing her small gifts like rocks, pictures, jewelry, and various odds and ends. Um, His nature changed. He still was evil and wanted Lee dead. And he still seemed like he enjoyed communicating and knew that she, Deborah, wasn't afraid of him. He wrote constantly from morning to night and it became a trade-off. So she talked to Mr. Entity and it seemed... 
he used his energy to communicate opposed to destroying possessions. So as long as she was talking to him and keeping him busy, he wasn't destroying things. It was the only way that she could defuse the situation. Um, but he still continued to demand Lee's death. So she's like, that put a damper on our relationship. So that was the end of that chapter. You want to see a picture of Gary leaving? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why would you take a picture of that? Because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> he has like no pants. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. He's got on, it's the, a picture of the back of him. He's got on a button-up shirt, it looks like, a small bag, and maybe a piece of pants that's left, <laughs> like covering his ass, barely. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so great! Like, well, I, I'm really. This is so insane. I've just. Uh, how do people live through this and survive? That is just I don't the know. most I don't, fucking. I don't think I would be able to. No, I would. I would have a heart attack. Like the first thing when the windows blew out in that yeah, old house. Yeah, that would be. I would, or nuts. with the the pebble shower. I I would I would lose my mind. Okay, so one of the most memorable investigators that they encountered during this time was an actor named Leon Isaac Kennedy. Uh, the Warrens introduced them to him. Uh, he was head of a paranormal organization in Los Angeles. Um, she believes that it was he who, in turn, passed along their contact information to Leon. I'm assuming she meant Ed. Um, There's a lot of typos in this. Yeah. <laughs> they received a phone call out of the blue one day from someone asking if he would be interested in having Mr. Kennedy visit us. Although they had no idea who he was, but they never turned down an offer yeah. when someone was willing to help him. Uh, Mr. Kennedy arrived late one afternoon with a man who introduced himself as a friend of the Warrens. He introduced himself, and immediately her husband, Bill, recognized him. Mr. Kennedy explained his beliefs and how he had come to be involved in the realm of the spiritual, although he never said he could get rid of the entity. He said he could attempt to give them strength and what assistance he could protect them. So I guess he was, you know, he was, he genuinely believed in the paranormal. And she said that anyone that believed in the paranormal would give them confidence that they would eventually find someone to help them. Okay, so <laughs> this was this next part. It just could you imagine a fly on the wall and that? Oh house? my gosh! Okay, so <laughs> Leon believed that if you learned to speak in tongues, it would allow their prayers to be heard more efficiently. And he began demonstrating. Oh, my God. Have you ever heard someone speak No, and I don't want to. So, I went to this church. It was in high school. Like, a bunch of kids that I went to school with went there. And they invited... A, it was like a big group of us. It was after my friend had died. So, mm -hmm. we were kind of like clinging to each other and looking for, you know, any kind of comfort. So, we all went to this church. And there was this girl that I went to school with. And she was great singer she was uh in theater and she was a really talented actor and she was really involved in this church i think her dad was the 
minister, preacher, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so she was really involved. Well, you know, it's typical church things. We're sitting in this, they're singing. And all of a sudden, this girl that I go to school with started, and she was on stage in a microphone. And she started like, is gibberish just like like crazy sounds like it was the most insane and you know i'm sitting there and you know we're bawling and crying and praise the lord and and then she starts doing that and i kind of like snap out of it and i'm like what the fuck is happening (laughs) and then like everybody around her started doing it and then everybody around me it was the craziest and you know you guys if you go to church and you do this and you believe in that's great what you know to each his own but like it was fucking scary (laughs) i was it terrified me they were just it was and they were screaming it it was just gibberish noises and they were screaming it and it was just insanity so yeah being in this house with them all like practicing oh my gosh it's insane i just i can't even imagine it's crazy i bet there's youtube videos look it up oh god it's crazy okay so he began demonstrating she had never heard this before she said it sounded like gibberish yeah um she wasn't surprised to see the looks on lee and bill's faces when they tried to understand what was being said bill senior seemed completely enthralled (laughs) oh my god of course he did and i guess due to this mr kennedy's celebrity status bill senior must have wanted to make a good impression on him one by one they went into the living room alone with this isaac guy and sat opposite of him looking into his eyes and tried their best to just let go and allow words with no apparent meaning to flow from their mouths there's no way i could do that no, no way there's no no i would feel so dumb she said it wasn't easy she said but the warmth and sincerity that was emanating from leon was inspiring i wish you would call him just one name i know <laughs> Um, she said she had no idea what was being said but the smile on Mr. Kennedy's face led her to believe that she was actually doing it so she started doing it and she probably felt stupid probably because it's crazy ridiculous so after they all did it separately they all gathered in the living room and began to do it together don't And she said, when she looks back on it, she said it must have looked really strange. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, in the end, they thanked Leon for his support and help. Um, When he left, he wished them luck and said he would pray for him. So somehow, she said somehow the news of their haunting had drawn the attention of Dr. William Roll, a noted researcher who was on the faculty of the University of West Virginia's parapsychology department. They got a phone call uh, from someone in his department who wanted to set up a call between them and this Dr. Roll. Uh, She explained that Dr. Roll was interested in their experiences, and they made an appointment. Uh, Dr. Roll called them, and they decided that Deborah was going to be the one to talk to him. So they all sat at the table 
When the phone rang, Deborah started to reach for the receiver, but Bill Sr. beat her to it after they had decided that she was going to be the one to talk to him. And he started talking about their experiences, but the way he was talking about it made it seem like it wasn't real. And then she said it got worse. She said, for some unknown reason, Bill Sr. told Dr. Roll that they were planning on having a movie made about their experiences. And, of course, her and and Bill were shocked. So she grabbed the phone out of his hand and introduced herself and then tried to explain that her father-in-law wasn't explaining things right. And then she tried to tell him, but she, she didn't get very far. He interrupted her and asked if they were really if there was really a movie deal and she told him that there wasn't but he he was he didn't want to be involved in it anymore oh my god and then he told her that the next time they were trying to find help that they shouldn't let her father-in-law speak yeah (laughs) um she she later learned how well respected this doctor role was and she was you know heartbroken that he wasn't going to help him anymore because of that what bill senior did god so so now she's wanting to, they're wondering why bill senior is deliberately attempting to sabotage their efforts to get rid of this entity which again i mean it it could be just his psychoness or you know, again, since it wasn't affecting him as much as it was Lee, he didn't care. Yeah. Or, I, I think he's just psycho, and I almost wonder if he's the one that's doing all this. But I don't know how... The things that they're saying, yeah. though, are so far... I mean, and again, it's so far-fetched that he would literally have to drug the family with hallucinogens, you know, just to get that effect, because... I mean, the the water gushing, yeah. and there's been stuff that's happened where Bill Sr. wasn't even there. Like when she took Lee back to get her plants, and they had the pebble shower. Yeah, yeah. And when they were packing up the rest of the house, and the windows blew out, he wasn't there. Yeah. So, and then, you know, nobody, none of them were there when the dog was killed. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. Crazy. So, Bill really enjoyed county fairs. So, when he saw that the uh, that one was coming soon nearby, he was, he was really excited. So, they decided to make plans to go to this county fair. And they, they desperately needed to get away from this house. Yeah. So, they, they decided to, to make a trip. They left on a Saturday morning and planned to return Sunday afternoon. They dropped the dogs off and began um, to drive to Victorville. It was relaxing, and the farther away they got from the house, the, f- the more they realized they needed away. So, Victorville wasn't a very large city. Considering its size, they didn't have any difficulty finding a- accommodations. They got a decent hotel. Um, they had separate cabins so she said naturally she assumed that bill jamie and herself would take one and lee and bill would take the other but she had grown accustomed to staying by lee's side all times so she was kind of you know kind of apprehensive about her not being with her overnight Uh, but bill senior insisted it was fine so they paid for the cabins dropped off their luggage and they went to the fair so they spent about three or four hours 
and they actually forgot they actually found themselves forgetting about the entity for a while they even went to dinner and no teeth marks in lee's food no (laughs) no moving objects so they had a, a nice normal family dinner they were all waiting for something to happen so they were always a hyper aware of their surroundings so they returned back to the motel and separated into their own cabins they uh, set up jamie's crib and deborah decided to check on lee before going to bed everything was quiet lee was reading and bill senior was watching tv it was getting late so she decided to go uh, go get in bed. So they awoke early the next morning to the sound of pounding on the cabin door. They opened the door to find Lee standing there in her bathrobe and just told them to come quickly. So they grabbed the baby and they headed over to Lee and Bill Sr.'s cabin. So what they found was Lee had gotten up and went to the bathroom and there was the entire bathroom floor was covered in baby powder so it looked like maybe lee had brought a thing of baby powder and the entire contents was just dumped onto the linoleum floor in the baby powder were spots that looked like footprints at first they said they couldn't be sure so they were inspecting them and it resembled footprints, but not human footprints. It said the heel looked like a large semicircle, where the toes should have been were only small marks that looked like claws. There was nothing between the space left between the heel and the claws. They were considerably larger than a normal human footprint, um, and the length between prints suggested a long stride. They started suddenly in the middle of the room and continued out of the bathroom. There were prints tracked across the sleeping area and out the front door. They followed the path and it turned abruptly and doubled back. Though most of the powder had worn off, they could see the prints going directly up the wall of the cabin, heading straight up all the way to the roof. Bill Sr. looked at one and noted there were small holes and scrape marks where the claws would have dug into the plaster. That detail is disturbing as fuck. So Lee was quickly getting worked up into hysterics and she she just wanted, she thought that a monster had invaded their cabin and she wanted to go home. And Deborah kind of found this, you know, kind of weird because she associated her home with safety when they weren't well this is the story that kind of got me thinking okay come on it just i don't i don't know if i believe it now you think it could that was faked something yeah i mean it just (laughs) i mean it's fucking crazy and well and even the fact that bill senior was like Oh look! The this is where the claws would be. It's holes and scrape marks. Yeah. Crazy. I don't. I don't know. So that was basically the end of that chapter. They um, they went to the fair and came back, and and that happened. So Lee wanted to go home, and Deborah was like, uh, "Why? <laughs> it's not safe there either." So maybe because this actually resembled more of a monster than what she sees at home 
absolutely because honestly at this up until this point the only person that has seen anything that has manifested was deborah when she saw the insulation head Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean the fact that it might be showing any sort of sign that it's actually a physical thing Mm -hmm. it would be totally scary yeah so and and the fact that it happened while they were away from the home is even weirder yeah because if anything you would think that they would have seen this before or you know some yeah, sort why did of just decide to do it there yeah i don't know it's super weird but and you know again there's so many things on here that you're just like are you like are you there's no way are you serious i don't know it's hard to wrap your head around it, it is it's very hard all right well we're about halfway through the book now so we're gonna do 15 through 22 mm. some so next seven sounds good we don't me. do math <laughs> <laughs> it's late and i've been drinking yeah i'm tired so send in your stories if you guys are enjoying the book with us let us know if you hate this let us know did i say send in your stories mm-hmm. ghouls night out podcast at gmail.com like our facebook page request to join the group you can recommend us on facebook rate review subscribe wherever you listen send in your stories <laughs> and we'll talk to you next and week send in your stories <laughs> ghouls night out podcast at gmail.com okay we'll talk to you next week later bye